it's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bump into your broadcast, grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bump into your broadcast, grab a chair, fill your glass. What's going on? Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. My name is Charlie Perry. Our Melissa Ortega Costa and Ross Grace Jr. Hey, New Bedford School Committee members that um, you know, I'm very proud of. Very, very happy to have them on my podcast. Once again, um, Melissa is officially, unofficially, my first guest ever. But we never got that going. <laughs> he forgot to hit record. Yeah, I oh. did, you know. Life well, and you, times of a podcaster, you know. Well, you did a show and it didn't record? Yeah, it just it was crazy. <laughs> and it was Zoom. And, yeah. and because of that nightmare, I no longer use Zoom unless someone's telling me to. Oh, you I know, but I, I I basically just boycotted it because that was such a good podcast, and um, and I was really nobody will ever know about. No, never, no, nope. never, yeah. ever, ever. Well, we were talking earlier. My goal for today's program is to make it through without one technical glitch. If we do that, then I feel like we've accomplished something today. Yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, we're 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 working off this laptop in my house. Yep. So, but uh, all right, um. Melissa's going to be muting herself because she has company. She has um, people, future votes in her dog barking, you know, lawnmowers going off, you know, stuff like that, you know. But um, I'm very proud to have her on here along with you, Ross. Um, Thank you, John. uh, Waiting for some other members to come on eventually. You know, we got, what, one, one, two more shows. So hopefully we can get the rest of them on here. Yeah. And and just just want to let you two know that um you know regardless of what you're doing you know session may be over you can use this podcast forever whatever you wish you know if you're doing something throughout the summer please let me know and I'll gladly just do a flash podcast and put you guys on for whatever you um you need. Well, the school um, committee continues to meet during the summer. We we have a July meeting and August meeting. Okay. So we don't stop. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, feel free. Um, get you. Got. Oh no, we lost Charlie. You good, Charlie? Huh? Yeah, I'm still good. Charlie, you're breaking up the a little bit on my end. Melissa, how are you hear me? Good. Okay, I heard that. All right. Uh, it's just freezing see. a little bit, but I think people can still hear and see us. So, <laughs> wow. We'll just take the show over, Charlie. You go ahead and relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll start off. Um, first of all, Charlie, as always, um, thank you for your voice, uh, your steadfast leadership in the community. And as always, just being a platform for um, everyday folks, Charlie. Um, it's exciting to be on the Really Charlie podcast again. Um, I'm not going to speak as much today because I've been on it regularly for people who turn on the first time as Charlie and I had an idea uh, because a lot of people don't really understand what goes on in the school committee. Try to myself running, and I'm sure Melissa will say, you know, similar things. Um, it just seemed like a group of people sitting at a table raising their hands. And so the idea we had is just sharing personal experiences, some of the things that's going on in the school committee um, to spread awareness. And we thought the Really Charlie podcast would be, um, you know, be really, really good for that. So um, thanks for having us, Charlie, again. And for people who are unaware is the, the school committee meetings are the first Monday of every month. And then we try and follow up with a um, podcast on, on Wednesday. Um, last time we had uh, Colleen DeWicky, who did an outstanding job. And today we have Melissa Costa, the very first Latina, um, to sit on the school committee seat. And we're still learning the ropes, you know. And again, I don't want to take uh, too much time because, like I said, Melissa's going to be on while Charlie's fixing things. You know, Melissa might as well 
let people know what you're about, why we're on, and hopefully we have a nice discussion, share people what we've learned and what we'd like people to know about what's happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I am actually the first Latina, Latin person ever voted in New Bedford city politics ever. Um, you know, and we know from based off of our data that we got from the school committee that our school district is made up of like 40, 41% Latino right. youth. Yep. Um, and yet I am the first person ever elected in any kind of official capacity within the city of New Bedford. Um, so we definitely have a lot of work to do. Um, and I, you know, I'm only one person, right. And I can only speak from my own experiences. I can't speak for an entire community, but we know, um, how important it is, you know, as we keep bringing across these conversations about like equity, how important like representation matters, you know, and, you know, having a diverse workforce and making sure that, youth of color are represented across all areas, um, especially. So, you know, I am grateful to have this opportunity. Like you said, Ross, right? We're still learning like the yeah. whole Roberts rules, which I think is, yeah. you know, and my son actually brought this up um, the other day, like, you know, Roberts rules was founded here in New Bedford. And that is a, a, a platform, a, a methodology that is used across governing bodies across the nation and internationally. And that was started right here in New Bedford. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't learn that history. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, and that, that's a testament to, to just, you know, the, uh, the, the little gems that are all throughout our history and all throughout, um, you know, um, uh, the, the, the culture of New Bedford. And Melissa, you were just talking about being the very first Latina. And again, this election, the way I look at it, it was kind of like the word I use, like transformative. Whether you look at Shane Burgo getting on the city oh, council, yeah. yourself, uh, myself, um, the way I, I, I think the city was sending a message. Um, and sometimes, Melissa, you know, sometimes I get overwhelmed. It's like, I mean, people have this vision or idea that we're going to come in, like change everything. And um, I know that we're going to do our best. A lot of the stuff that we do, like you said, is, is very procedural. I mean, we have a governing body. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we have people who are, working to find I right, still what can we do to make sure we're supporting things but also enhancing um what was going to schools except new bedford has a very unique his, uh, unique history of of um whether you call it struggle of of, um, of progressive thought um you know we talk about our history whether it be the underground railroad the 54th regiment um you know that the people yeah. who lived at sergeant connie's Bill kazan and so when we're seeing a person like melissa coster in making history that came from people saying, all right, we want a little something different. And people came to the ballot box. And yeah. every time I'm on the show, I talk about the importance and uh, of getting out <clears throat> no matter what um, till, till the day of the next uh, election cycle. We should con con consider the importance of getting out and exercising that right because it does make a difference. Um, it's not to say to Melissa and I and the other people in there can all of a sudden change the entire school committee. But by having different voices, different perspectives, shaking up the dynamics, it reverb, uh, it reverberates up into um, the other things going on. So I'm very proud of that, Melissa. And I don't know if you want to talk about that. I mean, it's not about patting ourselves on the back, but recognizing where the city's at and um, where we kind of fit in with all that in terms of us getting elected this uh, cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important to have a diversity of thought at the table, right? Otherwise, you fall victim to groupthink. Um, yeah. Where everyone just like kind of nods their head. I know that we're still learning. I'm still, you know, I, I am on the finance committee. So like I was sharing yeah. with you just prior to coming on the show, like I've been meeting with Andrew O'Leary, yeah. um, you know, just really trying to get a deeper understanding so that that way, you know, we're asking those questions, you know, so to understand like, well, what's this money about? And what's that money about? And where's this going? And what is that going? Yeah. Right. Because at the, at the end of the day, like we're the governing body that's being held accountable to this, you yeah. know, and to the constituents and to the the children, the families, the faculty and staff, the administration, like yeah. we're ultimately that governing body that's that's being held yeah. accountable. And so we want to make sure that we are making good decisions, informed decisions. Um, and so this has definitely been a lot of learning over the last few months. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it's going to take a few more months because I'm like, OK, like I'll get it in that moment. And then I'm like next month. I'm like, Andrew, I have another question. <laughs> like, what's that yeah. one about again? And then, and then we're still and we're still balancing our personal lives and our professions. And for people who don't know, school committee, we get paid the big bucks for doing this. You know what I'm saying? So we're, you know, so it's a balance. And I'll tap your back and you can pat mine. That's what, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. But 
Um, and I think people but, don't realize, right? Like while right. there is a once a month meeting, like there's these subcommittee meetings that are happening that yeah, are also, yeah. that are also available, you know, open meeting laws. So people are welcome to, you know, look on the schedule and come to those as well. Um, and then we have other trainings or other things that we are held responsible for. Um, and so you're right. It's not just a once a month meeting and, you know, getting a packet and sitting there like there's a lot of work that goes into it to being prepared so that, that way we are making the best decision for our youth and families in the community. And just to walk people through things, um, you know, I always assume um, whenever I, 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 I present that people uh, may or may not know what we do. Um, we can talk a little bit about it, Melissa. Is, um, the New Bedford School Committee, there are six seats um, and every they're, they're four year terms and every two years. Uh, three candidates run, three seats are either up or new candidates can um, can uh, decide to run. Um, I'm saying that because Melissa and I are going to be in there for four years. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we both have different goals and things that we'd like to see done, but there is that learning curve. And so um, it's important that we understand things as much as possible while also being participants and asking those questions, um, learning to navigate. And I, you know, I, I think it's important for people to understand that because you don't have to be just uh, politically astute and and, and uh, a history of of the dirty economics and politics that go on around here to get in. If you if you care, you know what I'm saying, and you just want to say, I'd rather be part of making a difference as opposed to sitting back and complaining. You know, um, get involved. Like I said, Melissa and I are still learning. I'm very transparent about that. Yeah. So I think <clears throat> we're seeing the importance of putting people in who have a, sen a sincere and genuine care. Um, yeah. going in and being that type of politician that's the way i see it melissa right yeah i um so I, I i'm big on the power of language and so i see our positions as being public servants and not politicians yeah, right? yeah. like we are here to serve the public i'm not here yeah. to get into the politics of all of it um i know that for me i use like like you right you're both social workers by education yeah. and by trade and whatnot and so we have like a, a morals, you know, our That's social right. work morals and values and code of ethics that we have to follow. Um, and so really using that as my guide, as my North Star yeah. to really just um, as we go through and we're making these decisions and asking these yeah. tough questions of ourselves, of our community, yeah. of our, you know, of our superintendent, of everyone sitting around that table. Like why, you know, just because something's always been done, why? <laughs> why has it always been done that way? And, you know, how can we change that? You know, and so even this year, you know, asking some of those questions and we're, we were able to change what some of those subcommittees looked like, right? Like what the titles were and what their yeah. work was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, listen, and that that's a really, really good point because, and again, that's why, you know, we're talking about the, the importance of getting out to vote because just walking and we saw some things that were, you know, relatively procedural. And there was one position in, um, in, uh, in particular where there was almost like just, we were operating within a cycle. It's this person's turn, that person's turn. And I understand that makes sense. But at the same time, it's important to have like further discussion and why is it like that? And are there ways to make sure that we're exploring everything possible? Because ultimately the citizens of New Bedford, our students and our families, that's why we got on. They, 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 they want, they, I don't get the sense that they want people to just go in and say, all right, we're just going to go through business duty because there are some issues in our schools. There are some issues that are going on in our, um, in our communities affect our schools. And there were wonderful things going on in our schools. The, the teachers are doing an incredible job. And our administrative team has an outstanding vision. So let's say that. But yeah. I, I think um, as elected officials, as public servants, as you say, Melissa, um, it, it's, it's our duty and responsibility to go in there and challenge things. And if there are things that are just part of a machine, that are just continually just moving on. I think it's good to have a fresh set of eyes in there, like yourself, yeah. uh, myself, you know, just to say, I right, are there ways that we can do things different? Melissa, maybe we can talk about like, um, you know, the new committees that, that we have. I'm, I'm on the, um, uh, I'm on the uh, go uh, governance and- um, Policy, right? Policy <laughs> committee, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm <laughs> policy. And I'll talk a little bit about that. And you're on the finance committee. Yep. I know. Finance and operations. Yeah, finance. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing or what you've learned so far? Yeah. So I'll just go briefly through because I thought, you know, not only being a school committee member, but also being, you know, someone who pays taxes in the city and, you know, like, so where does all of this money come from and go to and like, what's going on here? So, like I said, so this past um, last week, I was able to have a really great conversation with Andrew and hopefully Andrew, if you get word of this, I hope I, I do this justice. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, we were talking about like revenue, right? Like where does the city get its money from? So there's the general fund that the, the city portion of the budget. And so it comes from um, 1993. There was a law about the equity of school spending for adequate funding, um, which really talks about the foundation of funding. And so from that, because of this, the um, city's demographics and finance level, there's chapter 70. So 85% from the state aid is to wow. fund adequate edu education in New Bedford. There are other more affluent communities that it might be 5% or 15% of state aid. But in the city of New Bedford, we get 85% of our aid from the state funding. Melissa, um, what do you think about that? Because, I mean, I don't want that. That's because we a lot of the problems that I see within the schools when I was working there, um, I felt came for, um, because there wasn't enough independence of autonomy within the school building. I mean, I think the central administration has to have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. But I thought that the way that we were teaching had become a cookie cutter approach, a hit or miss approach. Um, and I felt that as educators, the creativity of our educators was being stifled and a lot of it and the value of the student was being transformed from uh, educating the whole child to teaching them to a test. Now I'm, I'm linking that to, we have a certain model um, that the schools are following by and uh, you know, to, to get a diploma or um, you know, to, to show um, uh, growth, you know, um, it's all through high stakes state mandated testing. And the fact of the matter is 85% of our funding in the schools comes from that. So we're, we will be holding to something that I think provides substantial obstacles to our children's best learning and, and, and uh, uh, a true well-rounded education. And I'm saying that only because I had worked in the schools for so long and a lot of things that we're doing. And I think with the new environment, with the new superintendent, I think things are getting better. I, I want to commend him on that. But I still uh, challenge, you know, the, the whole thing with high stake, uh, the, the test, the constant MCAS, constant assessments. Um, and the teachers being observed and evaluated by that. But that's all tied to the state and the funding. And you're saying that, and I got off on my little yeah. tangent, which I always do when it comes to that. But what, what are your feelings on that? I mean, 85% of our money comes from there. And then, you know. We'll, we'll... Yeah, so I I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me regarding MCAS and high stakes testing. I think, you know, um, and having this conversation with my my kids who graduated from New Bedford Vogue, um, I'm very transparent about like my kids' education, you know, kind of where they studied yeah. and stuff. Um, oh, welcome back, Charlie. Welcome back to our show. Hey, <laughs> hey we've been doing good, Charlie. Hey, Charlie, we're yeah, doing good. Crazy. This um, is uh it's the Ross Grace Jinx. I'm telling you, every time I'm on this show, <laughs> at least it's not my computer this time, usually it's mine. It's not over yet, Ross. Me. Wait. I know, I know. We, yeah, last time we had about 15 minutes left before I can't go. Um, no, so I mean, as far as like yeah. MCAS go, I, I, um, I totally disagree, right? I think that each child is individual and each child learns differently. I have a very person-centered approach. I don't know if that's my social work right. background or what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so giving a across-the-board test to, every, um, to where everyone grasp information differently. Like we know like there are visual learners, there are auditory right. learners, there are um, kinesthetic learners, there are yeah. like there are learners who need a little bit of each of those, right? So they're multidisciplinary learners, right? And so, but we give them all the same kind of testing. Right. And so right. that just makes like zero sense to me. And we also know that MCAS testing and any kind of high stake testing is rooted in systemic racism and classism right. and, and um, yeah. sexism you know, yeah. be just because it's based on a, on a Eurocentric model. Um, yeah. It's in, you know, and I remember for there was a period of time that I was working in a, in a public school department and I had to proctor an MCAS exam. And so I'm reading to this youth and I, I will never forget it. It was an entry on um, like rock climbing and they're talking about belays. Now my kids had gone to carabiners here in New Bedford, right? So they knew what a, a belay was. But that word in and of itself is not necessarily like an easy word to just kind of pick up off of context clues. Um, so it really just it was evident to me at that point just that if you, you know, so this goes to the point of like classism, right? Like 
those youth who have those hands-on prior knowledge information that they can draw upon because they've been to carabiners or maybe they've actually done like natural rock climbing, they're going to be able to read that passage without any kind of issue. Uh, most ch chances are that most inner city youth haven't had that experience because they don't have the finances to be able to go to that. And so like just thinking about it through that lens or like even reading a passage on the Statue of Liberty, right? Like it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to like read about it and be like, oh yeah, we went there, we took the ferry and you're able to draw on all of that prior knowledge, right? Yeah. And so yeah. just realizing like how dis it's just disproportionate as to like who it affects and you know, so yeah. So yeah. when you tie funding to it, right? Like chances are right. that our inner city youth are just not going to do as well. And and then it, it's just, it's 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 an important it's an important issue. And then Melissa's going to get back to the finance peak because we we kind of find, uh, hijacked the conversation. But my first time running, which which I had lost, um, the conversation was talking about how the schools were making such significant gains because the scores were going up. And having worked in the schools, number one, um, the scores don't reflect all going on in the building. It doesn't reflect true learning. They can yeah. also be manipulated. They think so. The focus, while testing, I do understand the need, um, the uh, the role that it shouldn't be the centerpiece and a driving force of funding. It shouldn't be the centerpiece and a driving force of uh, when students walk into the classroom, and it shouldn't be the so uh, the, the focal point of how teachers are um, observed and evaluated. Is there a role for testing? Of course there is, there always has been, but the high stakes main data testing that's coming down the pipeline has an adverse impact on our students. I've seen it firsthand. And, and, and Ross, yeah. to your point too, I also wanna bring up like me and you are both social workers, right? And so the mental yeah. health component that goes into these testings. Right. I can remember when yeah. I was at this particular school department, like come March and April, behavior starts yeah. to escalate because of anxiety of that's right. because, of anxiety. Right? That's because right. there's so much pressure like do your best and let's have a pep rally and rah 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 yeah and you know and it's just there's yeah. so much pressure put on these youth that i would see them like yeah. completely melt down yeah. and it was just and this is coming from personal experience and the impact that it has on the entire building, that's not learning. That's not learning. That's memorization. You can call it indoctrination. You can call it just uh, uh, learning students how to uh, take tests, but that's not critical thinking. And again, it, it, it reverberates from the administrator to the teacher. And um, once that happens, you know, our role of school committee members, and, and they, they tell us this, is to make sure that the students come first and students do come first. Because the best way for students to learn is for there to be a healthy learning environment and high stakes mandate testing um, uh, compromises that. And again, I'm going back to the original point when when I had first run, we're going, and again, that's questionable. And now the conversation isn't about that anymore. We're talking about how do we get back to making sure that the entire child is, is, is learning. What, with the tons of resources that we've got coming into the schools, um, we're, we're shifting the conversation and putting back on the needs of the child and the family. And so, Melissa and I are bringing that to the table, and I don't know if there was that before. I know that there are other people in the school committee who uh, share that. But so even when we're approaching things, we're approaching with a different philosophy that I think is more student-centered. But Melissa, we hijacked the conversation. Um, I know you you want to talk about. I know you start talking about your finance committee report with Andrew Olivia. We went off. <laughs> no, no, and I think, but this is it's all tied together, right? And so it's it's about having these conversations. And just, you know, for for the people who are watching this at some point, right, so to have an understanding and to know that, you know, both Ross and I are available for, like, feedback and for conversations, like, because we all have different trainings or different trains of thought. And so, you know, like, I want to hear from families. I want to hear from administration. I want to hear from faculty and staff, like, what the concerns are, like, how to better advocate, because at the end of the day, you're right, it's the student who's at the center of it all. And that's who it really needs to be about, you know, and making sure that we are making sure that our youth are ready for the next steps, whatever that is for them, um, whether it's college, the military, the workforce, whatever it is that they're a gap year, <laughs> um, whatever it is, we just got to make sure that they're prepared for that. Um, yeah. And, and so I think you know, the money is a big piece of it. Um, 
you know, we do, you know, of the city's $450, $450 million budget, the school department is asking for the upcoming year to be 215 million of it. Um, and I know that's what we were, you know, that's what the superintendent's report was about this past week was really just going through like highlighting a lot of the things that they have been able to do and what they want to continue to do. Um, and, you know, and that budget falls within and that brings us back to like the net school spending. Um, you know, that would bring us to the baseline. Like, of course, we would always want love to have more, but having that net school spending of $215 million for the upcoming school year would bring us to that which our youth deserve that. They deserve to have the right. basic, right. the baseline. That, that's that's the minimum, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. The, um, the, um, I, when you guys are going throughout the city, different places, different venues, are you getting recognized immediately? because there's this yeah. there's a lot of, there's people there's political um political um members that um or political figures what they do is they walk around the city and they're very 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 recognized um either f famously or infamously so uh, if 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 you have um is that something you want in your life you know is, is is it is it something that you you know going to shahs or makabask or true keys or do you want to be recognized is is that something that bothers you and you want to say hey wait time out um talk to me on business hours because I mean, I, throughout my career, I couldn't help but be recognized all over the place. So yeah. I had to, I had to step in. I couldn't say it was off duty or anything like that. So that's probably yeah. going to come with you too. You guys are very yeah. recognizable people. So, um, hey, I'll you speak gotta, up. Hey, you know, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes it all for me, Charlie. It all depends on the type of day I'm having, um, how I respond to it, and. You know, I, you know, Melissa and I, we've, I've grown up in New Bedford my entire life. The city's only so big, you know what I'm saying? So even prior to school committee, you know, I coached Little League Baseball for years. You know, I, you know, I was an activist and I worked in the school. So you, I've always, you know, I've always known a lot of people. A lot of people have always known me. Again, New Bedford's small. Again, that's not saying anything too major, you know, you know, you get ourselves around. Um, but being on school committee has, you know, has heightened that. Um, and again, Sometimes it's nice, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times, because I'm a social person, I love talking. I don't care where I'm at. You know, I don't care if I'm walking on City Hall. I don't care if I'm on Washington Square, baseball fields. It doesn't matter. Like, I like talking to people. I like hearing things. You know, I, I enjoy that. Um, and I like being asked questions about what's going on in schools. I like people bringing things to my attention and hitting me up on Messenger. Um, and I want people to feel comfortable with that. I consider myself a people person, you know. Um, I'm not out there every day with a suit and tie, so people aren't going to say, you know, look at me like that. I mean... Um, I'm very, very, you know, I'm relatively casual, you know, um, but, you know, we I, I, get, I get pulled aside a lot, but more than that, a lot of stuff on social media and a lot of questions, we want to encourage that, you know what I'm saying? We want people to feel comfortable. We don't want people to think that we have, um, you know, some a stick walking up us, you know, or, or some people who are unapproachable. So we're people of the people, you know what I'm saying? But I, most of the time I enjoy that, you know what I'm saying? There's some days we are rushing around and somebody will ask you something or pull you aside. But I enjoy that. I'm a New Bedford guy. You know what I'm saying? I love hearing from New Bedford people. So, um, but it definitely has increased. You know what I'm saying? It definitely has increased. And it's nice. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it's important for us to carry ourselves about uh, respectfully and in a decent way. You know what I'm saying? Not that we're role models, except we want to um, come across in a way that says, ah, you know, there's a Latina in office and maybe I can do that. You know what I'm saying? When the young person watched us, so, you know, there's a Mr. Grace who grew up in Brickenwood and, you know, maybe I can do that. So how we conduct ourselves is important too. So, but I enjoy that child. That's a, well, that's a, that's a good question. Well, Melissa has this hat. She's got like this baseball cap and it goes down and, but I know who she is. <laughs> I, I, I try to approach her. She was like, she was like, like a ninja, she was out. I didn't even know where she went. You know, I'm only joking. I'm joking. You can say no, I, um, <laughs> So I gotta say, like, right, like running for office. I am relatively a private person. Um, 
you know, like my, if anyone knows me on social media, it's usually something I'm, I'm posting about my kids. Like I'm some kind of proud mommy moment is usually what kind of my social media is, or maybe like a vacation or something like that. Um, so I am like, I, I am relatively like private as far as like that stuff goes. Um, so like that was a little bit, um, it's uncomfortable, right? Cause when you're running for public office then you you're putting yourself in the public eye and you're putting yourself to public scrutiny. And so that can be a little bit uncomfortable. So you have to build up like a thick skin and, um, you know, be open and ready to kind of receive some of that. I'm not, and I know I have faults. I know I'm not always going to get it right. Um, but I am definitely open to learning from people and learning from different perspectives. Um, and, you know, like I said, also keeping my, my compass, right. And knowing that what I need to make sure that I can go to sleep at night because the decisions that I make have positively impacted the life of children and families and, you know, faculty and staff. Um, that's really, you know, why I got on, you know, because at this point, my kids are through the public school system. They're, you know, they're actually graduating next month from college. Um, and so, <laughs> thank you. And, you know, like Ross, when you're sitting there saying like, you're a brick and wood, I was born on satellite. I raised my kids in Amanda Ave dot in place for 11 and a half years. Um, you know, like I am a person of the city, like born and raised in New Bedford, yeah. went to Kearney Academy, went to Keith junior high, went to New Bedford high class in 1994, yeah. right? Like just totally New Bedford born and bred. Yeah. Um, never saw anyone who ever looked like me in this kind of yeah. position, you know, even, even in school, like never saw a Latina teacher, you know, through all of yeah. my time in New Bedford schools, I just didn't. Um, I never saw a school adjustment counselor or a guidance counselor that looked like me just didn't. Um, and it wasn't until I got to college that I saw my first Latina professor. Um, I had one in undergrad at UMass Dartmouth and I had one in grad school at, U at Boston University. Um, yeah. And so it was like, oh, okay. Um, that's, that just opens up. And, you know, so when I ran for city council the first time um, and I remember just like, I remember when I won the, the primary election, just crying. You know, because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can do this. Like, people like me don't do this. I had I had internalized that oppression, right? Like, I really believe that, like, Puerto Ricans in New Bedford, like, we don't stand out or we don't. Like, that's how, that's what I believe in. That's so sad, right? That So we yeah. have this whole generations of youth out there who have internalized that, that that's just not for them. And so, you know, I recognize that by actually, you know, being elected this time around in this this particular position, because I had actually thought like, I'm kind of done with the political scene, you know, after running twice um, and doing, you know, doing fairly well both times. I was kind of like, just kind of done with it. And then just thinking about, you know, I had a couple of people kind of approach me and just really advocate for me to, you know, consider the school committee. And I have a long standing with the youth in the, in the city um, and through various um, roles that I have played with in the city. And so it was like, okay, like I'll do it this time. Um, and it was, you know, and just when winning once again, like, oh my gosh, there's gonna, like, I wanna be able to go into the schools and like talk to all the little Latino children. And, you know, I, I brought a kid with me, a kid that I was working with from the city. He's a young Cape Verdean man. Um, and I brought him with me to a meeting one day just prior to the actual inauguration. And, you know, he's an inner city youth and, you know, and he was actually going to night school that night and I was bringing, you know, bringing him and I, I shared with him, I'm like, I'm going to be sitting at that table in, in a couple of months. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm actually going to have like a seat at the table. Nice. Um, and it was just like, we just had like this moment and I just kind of looked at him and I was like, and you can too. And don't ever think that you can't, you know, like you deserve to be there and, he just kind of like looked at me and, you know, and I, I brought him, but, um, and so being able to like have that kind of impact where people can see and, and, and people who are not of the marginalized or the disenfranchised population don't always understand that. Right, right. Um, they, you know, it's, it's very easy for a white male predominantly, right. To see themselves in any and every position. And yeah. so they really believe that they can be whatever they want to be. And that's good, right? Like you should be able to, but youth of color, we just don't have, we don't see ourselves in so many positions. And so when we do, it is like, wow. 
and it's empowering. Yeah. And that's what we want all of our kids to feel that we want them when we tell them you can be anything you want to be. We want them to really be and feel that. True. Yeah. True. The, uh, what I, what I like, what I liked about politics is that it, um, you know, when I ran it, it, um, it was something, and I'm pretty sure you two have felt the same way. It's something that, you know, I didn't experience other than casting a ballot, you know, or, you know, but to go through that whole experience, that's a great experience. So now yeah. when, I, when I'm walking, you know, and, and walking the streets or hearing different buzz about this person want to run or this person um, not running, so there's going to be more people in the arena. So what I do is I always tell everyone, run, run, do yeah. the best yeah. you can, but run. Yeah. Get to, to experience that because you never know you may be the inspiration or you may be the guidance for the next person. So just run. And, uh, and that was a great experience and a, a lifetime accomplishment for me. Um, and whether win, lose or draw, you know, it, it still was a great experience that I enjoy talking about regardless of what points of bringing, you know, coming at me or, or whatever, I, I still love it. I, I love that experience. I love talking about it, you know, and uh, so. But, uh, I loved, you know, it, the first time around, I was so scared of door knocking. Like, oh my gosh, like, hi, I'm Melissa Costa and I'm running for, you know, like just, I was like, what are they going to do? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what people, and people were so kind and just like, oh, like, and they would share their, you know, concerns or their experiences. And it was just like, wow, like we really do have a great community if we're open yeah. to, to listening and just, you know, who yeah. doesn't like to be listened yeah. to, right? And yeah. heard and validated. <laughs> true. True. And, and, and I think that comes with the whole sincerity piece, you know, and like getting Melissa hit the nail on the head when she talked about the word being a public servant. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons that people can seek office. You know, you can do it. You use each thing as a platform to, to move on to another position and you become like a lifelong politician or you can see different gaps or you can see different holes um, in different systems in, in your city. And you say, you know, I'd like to uh, make a difference. And I think I, I bring some value. I think I bring some expertise. Um, I think it's important um, to, uh, to to be that person that, like Mr. Saying, that young people can say, yeah, you know, look at Miss Costa. She's the very first Latino. Yeah, look at Mr. Grace, you know, a, a Cape Verde man. Um, I can do that. And again, that's how things change. Um, you know, Charlie and I, you know, we, can, we, we, we come from a history um, of the civil rights movement, the Black Home. And to me, this is it's a continuation of that. Uh, before it was... Um, you know, a lot of the issues our parents face are still around today. But I think what they, I think their signature achievement was being an inspiration and opening the doors for us to be um, part of the political process or be part of the entire process. And again, I, they, they, we want to come to a day where we're not the first anymore. You know, we want to have just um, that way and that, that type of value system within our community that any Latina, uh, any African-American, any Haitian, any Irish, uh, Portuguese, uh, Asian person can run and reflect the needs of that community. You know what I'm saying? So I think just the fact that um, people came out um, and made that decision. Um, and again, I, I commend anybody. And Charlie, like I said, you, you inspired me. And I think just by us being in this position, Melissa, hopefully inspires other people. And then it continues. You know what I'm saying? You know, that yeah. that, that domino effect, or the, the, the notion that, you know, you light a, a candle and it starts a flame, you know? So it's, it's also our civic responsibility and duty, I think. And I think people also need to realize, I know it was, it was a huge learning curve for me too, right? Um, I think one of our big fails in, in public education, probably in education, is civics, like civic duty, and really the importance of voting. And, yeah. you know, like, and I've really, I really have gotten on the platform over the last like five or so years, like there is an election every single year whether it's national, statewide, local politics, like there is an election happening every single year. So it's not, you don't just vote every four years, you know, for the presidential, like, especially like when I think about our local politics, right? Like that's your schools, that's your uh, roads and that's your uh, pick, trash pickup days, 
right? Like that's what comes out of that, right? And so those elections, elections have impact, um, you know? And so we really need to, you know, I'd like to see us do more with like that civic engagement piece, um, you know, how to get involved, how to, you know, what are your responsibilities as as a U.S. citizen, um, you know, and what's that like, you know, um, registering to vote? you know, really getting out to register to vote. Maybe that's something that we can bring up, like something that can happen yeah. at, the, at the high school. You know, a lot of our seniors are turning 18 or may have turned 18 already. So making sure that we have like these voter registration drives happening right now at the school, um, getting them registered to vote. Because I believe if I'm not mistaken, you can actually register like I think like is it six months or a year before you actually even turn 18. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we can yeah. get all of those seniors registered to vote. <laughs> Um, and, you know, make them feel empowered in their decision-making. So well, I don't know what they're doing now, but um, my uh, first paperwork as far as, you know, being able to vote was done right at the high school. And they brought us right in, all the seniors yeah, right. in, into the, into the right. auditorium. And we fill out everything. Yeah. We fill out everything right there. That's right. That's right. Um, That's whether, right. whether you wanted to, you know, some people did it, but. You know, um, maybe a lack of understanding, like voting. But I remember right in New Bedford High School auditorium, we filled out the paperwork right there, and the city officials took took all the information, and uh, we were ready to vote. In my case, it was uh, it was relatively quick. I think shortly after that, I casted my first vote. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but um. I um I'm really really impressed with the whole school committee. Um, hey, and, and by the way, I, I bought Chris Carter a comb, and he got upset with me. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. He was so upset. You know, we've been friends for all these years, and he was upset with me. But uh, I can't wait to get that that dude on here because um, yeah, we got to get Chris. Deep, we have some deep conversations, so we're gonna to try to get him on for the uh, next month. And um, we we have such you know, a diverse another, board. Yeah, you should do. Yeah, sure do. we we have a diverse board. Just to go over it again, you know, I, you know, like I said earlier, I always present these things for the people who may be listening the first time, um, just so people are aware. Just to uh, hear hear our makeup, um, we have Mr. Chris Carter, police officer, a very stand-up guy, very knowledgeable. Um, we have Mr. Bruce Oliveira. He's part of the finance committee. The guy's just wonderful with the books, a, a source of information, um, and a, a very strong resource. You have Mr. Jack Livermentor. He's part of the Cape Verdean community, a member of Our Lady Assumption Church. Um, you know, you have Miss Colleen DeWicky. Uh, she This is a, a second term, who's experienced, just a good mother. So I think we have a real good group of people. And I think what did catch me off guard a little bit, Charlie, is, and Melissa, you can share your thoughts, is, you know, it's one thing when you're reading things, and it's one thing when you're seeing things on the news, it's another thing when you're actually dealing with people. And I get the sense that for the most part, the people are in it for the right reasons. I had very strong feelings against the prior administration uh, when I was working in the schools. And I, I felt that things were being grossly mishandled, mismanaged, and misreported. Um, I just felt that there was enough loss. But I have to say with, with, with uh, Mr. Anderson, um, I think the job is easy because I find him to be very open. Um, I, I think his vision uh, is aligned with some of my values. So, um, you know, I support a lot of the stuff that he's doing. And, and usually if he, if, if there are things of concern, I've been able to bring to attention and his team has acted upon it. Um, what I do see as my role is he believes in autonomy of each individual building, which I support. What I think our role can be is making sure that his vision is being translated into those buildings. Um, we want to make sure that what his ideals are in terms of diversity, in terms of equity, in terms of putting the value on the whole child, in terms of being open to parents, that that's actually translating into the building because um, what goes in the classroom is reflection of leadership. And so we wanna make sure that our principals, and we we know this, uh, there are some who who are there for the right reason, but we also have some principals, um, you know, who, you know, we have to make sure that they're doing what's in the best interest, the best interest of their students and their staff, because if staff is being treated poorly that translates into the classroom so you know we, we work with the unions we want to encourage teachers who are watching this we want to encourage our support staff paraprofessionals that if you have concerns 
first always address your principles that you know your administrator but if you have concerns and you feel like falling upon deaf ears or you're feeling like retaliation or retribution we don't want that that's not the way our school should be run you know um make sure you reach out to the school committee and we can bring it to uh, the appropriate channels whether you know uh, the union sector or even the administration i do think mr anson does listen so um but you're out there so we want to make sure that his vision is being translated but it's been a pleasure working with him and the rest of the team i thought it was gonna be much more combative um but you know i i really think that the people who are in are trying and there are plenty of flaws that we are addressing them but um you know i, I feel comfortable with people who are at least trying and there are things that we do need to challenge and push back upon um, but I do think that people have the right intentions, you know, and I don't know how you feel about that, Melissa. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I know that this past week, um, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I know the question came up that I, I raised regarding like just the advanced classes, right. And who, that there's been an increase in the number of youth who are taking like AP courses and IB courses and early college courses and stuff like that. And so I know that, you know, my question was really around, you know, what are the gender of those youth? What is the race and ethnicity of those youth? What's the socioeconomic status of those youth? You know, because that's going to really get to the core of like equity. You know, if we have a 40% yeah. Latino population attending New Bedford public schools, but only 5% of the youth, and this is completely, I don't know what the number is, yeah. right? But let's just say it's like only 5% of the youth who are taking these advanced courses are Latino. That's a huge discrepancy, right? And so we need to kind of figure out what's going on there. You know, if our, I believe our city is 30, 35%, 38% white, you know, but are they making up 35, 40% or are they making up 80, 90%, right? And so like, yeah. and even thinking about, you know, one of the other questions I asked too that Mr. Anderson will get back to me on is, you know, are these kids coming from particular elementary schools or middle schools, right? Cause that can also drop, that's also data, you know, and we, we hate the D word data, but that's also information that then guides some of our conversation. Like why are particular youth from certain areas getting into these programs more than youth in other areas? What's that about? And that really drills down to equity. Um, you know, we absolutely want every child to be as successful as they can. And so we need to make sure that we're digging into that information to kind of draw out some of that. True, true. It, and sometimes, you know, we, we got to, Gotta throw some things out there. Mm -hmm. Ross and, and Melissa, you 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 both know it's one of the most fascinating things uh, to see at the New Bedford Boys and Girls Club was the the former members that went to college. Yeah. And they were going, they were draped along the wall as you walk towards the back way. And I think schools should do that too, you know, yeah. classrooms. You know, yes. this was a former student at Kearney Academy or uh, or uh, Winslow or, you know, I think those perceptions should be should be there in the school, you know, at a very young age, you know, very yes. young age to start. Because when you walk in your room, in your home, you know, your home of your mom or dad, your grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles, and you see their their degrees on the wall yeah. at a young age, you know, and you start looking at it, even with, with the military service, you know, as I see my uncle's picture on the wall, I was so mesmerized about that, that picture and his, his, his ship, the Navy and everything. And I said, wow. And that impacted my, that was a, a great perception, you know, and it was a reality because that was my uncle on the wall. Mm -hmm. And you can do the same thing in making making that picture of that student, a former student at Parker School that's on the wall. Yes. And yeah, they just attended Boston College or they just, you know. So and, I will and, have and, you know, because you said Parker School. When you walk into Parker School, there is the Barb. I will never forget this. The Barbara S. Kestenbaum Award. And I my, my name is the very first name on that plaque, if it's still up. <laughs> good um, nice. sixth grade <laughs> back and, and when they had sixth grade in the elementary schools <laughs> challenge um, that, that, that that's so important what you're talking about because you're talking about first of all um number one connection. everybody yeah yeah it's that connection and when kids see melissa melissa was saying so when when students see people like them or of them 
you know, doing big things. I mean, all kids want to be celebrated. All kids want to feel good. You know what I'm saying? All kids want that pat on the back. And if they see people like them, you're walking into the building and you're seeing those models that that it's, 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 an, it's an incentive. And, it's, and it, it, it sends a message through the building and through the students and to the families who walk in the door that when you invest in yourself and your child or we invest in ourselves, that something comes out of it. You know what I'm saying? And what it all, what it also does is it creates a history and, and it, it enhances the culture within the buildings. Kanye Academy was good for that. You know, you walk in, you see a picture of Dr. of Dr. Waters. You know, we had talked about when I was there doing like um, a, a, a wall of fame to an extent, you know, for for the outstanding achievements of, of what uh, students who went to Kanye Academy did. But that would be something that, that it would be a fun project in the schools. You know what I'm saying? It enhances uh, the the environment, but that that's that's a really good idea, child. You know what I'm saying? And those are the type of things. Those are the discussions that we should be talking about. What goes on in our school buildings? You know, and again, that's why you know Melissa and I started this conversation, going after MCAS and high stakes mandated testing. But that stuff, and I'm telling you, it impedes upon that because people are so concerned with these walkthroughs and stuff that all the creative stuff, all the stuff that makes a building unique, that makes you a building inviting, uh, inviting. Um, all that stuff is taking a, a back seat to other other priorities. But Chai, that's an easy fix, and that's something that you know that that that's that that we should be able to do in all the schools. So, Ross, I gotta tell you, it was I've had this conversation with like colleagues of mine, right? So, because I went to Carney, you went to Carney, right? Like we went still yeah. with like Dr. Waters, June Pina, like just yeah. number of you know staff of color. So I thought everyone had that experience growing up, and then you realize like. No, they didn't. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and I was like, what? Like, my first principal was a man of color. Like, he was yeah, PhD. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So, like, yeah, right. just to know that we have like that that base of you know of understanding. And yeah. I remember, I was like, and I remember at Carney, right? Like, every month was a different theme. So I remember, like, Africa, you know, like, um, yeah. Black History Month, and every classroom yeah. had to create the bulletin boards that were then put yeah. on display in the hallway. And then we would have like um, career awareness month yeah. and like you'd always have to do, like there was always like some month activity and that's yeah. like, that's where like learning happened. Yeah. And that's what we've gotten so far away from. And again, I don't want to, you know, turn this into a, a whole, but we, we took such a, 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 a shift in the wrong direction because, yeah. you know, School's about learning and, and, and making connections within the mind to the, to the environment and reality around us. But, once you're in the workforce, that's where you gain the skills. What school did for me was a sense of having an identity, of believing in myself, of overcoming obstacles, of relating to other people. And that's what took me to, to, to where I'm at. And it, the, a lot of the stuff I learned in school, I forgot about. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, tech, uh, the test-taking approaches that, that they focus and drill upon our kids, I, 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 you know, I, I don't remember. But I remember that teacher believing in me. I remember that teacher who said, oh, you know, you did better on tests pulling me aside and helping me make sure that um, I did better. Or why didn't you do well on the test? You know what I'm yeah. saying? What's going on at home? And that's what I think we've gotten away from in the schools. And so, Charlie, you're talking about something that's a common sense, nice approach. It's a feel-good thing. It it, 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 it it creates a strong environment in the building. And those are the fun things that, that you know, we learn more. We do better when we're enjoying what we're doing. And when we're in that environment, then education in, in, in um the true learning occurs and you're going to see, you know, the, this whole score thing go up when people feel good about what they're doing and feel part of it, then you're going to give more. And that's what we're hoping. And, and, you know, that's what we want the culture of the entire district to be. And I think, I, I do think Mr. Anderson carries that with him. You know, I really do, you know, but we have to make sure that that's going to buildings because I can tell you from firsthand experience that that's not going on in some of our buildings. And there are some leaders who, who uh, have a point of view that doesn't reflect the values of what we're trying to do here. And, it's important for us to say oh, that. that. That will come out. That will come out. You know that. You know that uh, when you're do, not doing things the right way, it all yeah. shows up later on. And it shows up when that uh, administrative, uh, uh, how do you want to say, uh, um, let's say the supervisor comes up. You know, that yeah. supervisor decides to come into your school. You know what? Yeah. And when you're not doing things the right way, guess what? Yeah. People talk. And they're going right. to talk. And yeah. they're going to put a buzz in and someone's there. And then, yeah. then they're going to kind of pay attention a little bit more. You know, so yeah. we all know that. And uh, 
Yeah, like, and we are seeing some of those changes right now, actually. And I think that I think there's some good ones. So. And we know that with any change, right, it takes a couple of cycles before yeah. you actually see the effects of that change. Um, we're an immediate gratification society. And, so, you know, so bringing back that delayed gratification, um, like, you know, instituting a new policy, which Ross gets to be a part of those policies. Um, so instituting that and, you know, hopefully seeing the positive effects of that impact on that. Exactly. It's exciting times, you know, it, it really is. And it's fun. And again, I, I become very repetitive, but for those who are watching, spread the word, get involved. Um, outside of it being a, you know, it's, it's a civic duty. People gave their lives. People went to prison for us to be here. And we don't know, you know, just by us being here, just by us speaking upon this, just by Charlie being a former officer, me being an administrative school committee member, uh, Melissa being a social worker and now being a school committee member, just our presence and being involved. I was inspired by Charlie and we were inspired by other people. And that's why we're here. And hopefully we can send that, you know, in the old days we had the Manny Costas, we had the Jack Custodios, you know, we had those, um, the Duncan Dauntons, you know, um, you know, we had those people out there and it's our responsibility to, to be those people now the best that we can, you know, the best that we can. Absolutely. Jack Custodio, wow, you brought it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on. We had a... Yeah. Uh, I had Rosemary Pereira. She was down at the Cushing Avenue School, which is uh -huh. no longer there. But um, she was able to grab a couple of us, or well, several, several kids at a very young age. And I was only in the third grade. But she sat me down and taught me how to take my time when I'm writing, take yes. my time. And uh, said it's very, very important. She said, we're going to take this paper and we're going to put it on the board. So we want to see how good your writing is. We want people to see it. We want Miss Cajal. Remember Miss Cajal from the Gome School? Well, she was at a Cushing Avenue School as our principal. She's going to see it. So, you know, and um, she was very inspirational to me um, at a very, very young age. And... Um, I hope that uh, we have many, many, many more Rosemary Pereira's and all the people that you talked about. June Pino, may she rest in peace. Yes, yes, yes. Miss, Miss, Mrs. Ferno and Mr. Ferno, he was part oh, yes. of the feast too, yes. I know. Yes. So, so we, many. Uh, and it just goes on and on. Uh, Mr. Callanan, Mr. Longo, you know, those people, were, you know, they all had things, a huge part of my life, you know, so. Um, and Miss Purcell, you know. Oh yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, I just never underestimate hope. the impact of an educator, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I, you know and what? we know research Leave. shows right that in order to be successful, you need to have at least one positive adult role model in your life. And so, what that means for that youth, you know what I mean? That here we are, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, whatever it is. And you still remember your first grade teacher yeah. or your third grade teacher. Yeah. You remember their name. And, and and more so, you don't might not remember necessarily what you learned that year, but you remember how you felt. Right. True. Right. So just like I mean, how they made you feel. Right. She made you feel special. And because she right. believed in you, yeah. you internalized that and you believed in yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was the title one student and uh, Mrs. White, Miss Mendes. Um, and bless you. Being a uh, bless you. Um, a title one student. Those there was in elementary school. Well, they followed me throughout my whole life. Yeah. And I got recognized in the state. I got recognized in the country for yeah. being a distinguished title one student. And going on to college to graduate in Newberry College. My my I loved that school. It was perfect for me. And, you know, so those teachers, here they are, they, they had thousands, thousands of students after me. Yeah. And they, they recognized me and I was, I was, I was dumbfounded, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I mean, my, it was amazing. So yeah. I love teachers. Yeah. And I didn't get, yeah. a, I got a huge, huge appreciation for them when I was a school resource officer because yeah. I was behind the scenes. It's so important to, to, to recognize that because, you know, society is, is shaped 
by how um, how we treat our young people and, and what they learned. You know, that's the bedrock. That's the foundation of any society in our community. And our teachers are the front line. They're the consistent person in a child's life, sometimes more consistent than, than what they have at home. Not all the time, but sometimes they're the most consistent um, thing that a child deals with. A, a teacher can spend more time with a child than, 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 than a parent. And so when we're, we're in times of, of COVID and a parent is dealing with taking care of their child and their needs, but also our children and our children's needs, it's important to recognize what teachers do each and every day. And the fact of the matter is when we're working together, it's easy. And especially today, we live in a very polarized time. You know, whenever something isn't seen uh, the way that we want it to be or seen through our perspective, we'll lob and hand grenades at another. But when we work together with our teachers, and and, and, and and we're having an open line of communication and our teachers are working with our families and we're all pulling in the same direction, that translates into the child and, and, and their belief within themselves and that that's going to uh, help them plot a, a future that's best for them. But it's important that we work together. And again, if we, you know, if, if you are frustrated, work with your teacher, you know, work with the administrator. And if you feel that you're not meeting, that they're not getting the results that you'd like, explore other options within them but if we're going into combative mode and we're tearing each other apart ultimately that only impacts the schools which impacts our children this is a societal issue and what we're dealing with in our schools isn't just the teachers it isn't just the children it's just the family we're all interconnected so when we all do our part and communicate and work together you know then um, i think it makes a difference for everybody you know so true yeah well I'd like to uh, close with Melissa. Any points you have? Anything you wanna you wanna say? Broadcast, podcast. You can even say really, Charlie, if you want. You know, anything. Really, Charlie. Really. <laughs> I think it needs to become really, Charlie. Really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I just I want to thank you both for the opportunity to um, speak, and I, you know, I echo what Ross was saying as far as other people out here who are listening, watching, however you get your information, knowing that we are available, um, whether via email, whether at the grocery store, whatever it is, you know, we are available. We are here to serve you, and you know, your family, your school, your community, and um, that's why we're here. I'm not here for me. By any means, um, I'm I'm here to serve the people of the of the of the New Bedford community, um, and I also just want to say, um, you know, anyone interested in running, you know, for any position in the city, please do so. You know, it's a great way to learn about the city, to learn about you know the different things that are going on, what people are really dealing with, what they're struggling with, what's going well. You know, learning about all of that, and you know, no matter what. If you are 18 plus, vote, vote, vote. Um, that is your civic duty. That is your, you know, responsibility. Um, and, you know, it, it enhances and um, the work that we can do when we get out there and we vote. So, Charlie, keep up the great work of your guests on here. Um, and, Ross, I look forward to continue working with you. We've got three and a half more years. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good thing. That's a very yes. good thing. All right. Well, feel free to come on this podcast anytime, any place. You know, uh, you know, where I came on later. You guys did a great job. Checks yeah. in the mail. I will give yeah. you portion of the proceeds. You know. Hey, um, I made it to the whole without one technical glitch today. <laughs> first time. Yeah. Oh, you did have a couple of moments where you kind of froze for a quick second, Ross. Well, yeah. yeah. But you came back. You came back. Right, came back. So we'll, right. give, we'll give him a minus. Sorry. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Melissa. It's a pleasure. And thank, thank you, New Bedford. Thank everybody out there. Have a good one, guys. Have a good night. Night. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Bye bye. Take care. All right. That was the great school committee members, uh, Melissa Ortega Costa and Ross Grace Jr. I really, really um, am proud that they came on here. And you see how they are, they adapted. We had some technical problems here, you know, and they, they knew what to do. You know, they said, look, the people wanna hear from our school committee members and we're gonna do it until 
we're going to do this podcast until Charlie gets back on. And they did it. They did a fabulous job. Um, and I'm very, very proud of the school committee from top to bottom. You know, and it's, it, they're a great team. You listen to them. You listen to everything that they're trying to do. And um, they're actually great, great advocates for our city. Um, and Melissa mentioned about students, staff, you know, um, you know, you students, staff, you know, the parents, you, you, you have to be that liaison follow. And we all got to work together. And it's one thing I always said that you have to have a triangle. It'll be teacher, parents, and student. Once you have that triangle together, anything's possible. And uh, we've got a great crew that we should be proud of. And uh, let's continue to support the New Bedford School Committee. And they're, they're here on the Really Charlie podcast once a month after their monthly meeting. They come on the very following week. Um, some are busy. And and, and Ross has, has took, the, took the reins of it. And he, he asked everybody to come on. And Colleen has come on. Melissa has come on. You know, we're going to try to get a few others. I'm going to reach out to Mr. Oliveira. Um, you know, even Mr. Anderson and get them on here. You know, the mayor, anybody. I need I need them to come on and just give their points of view and, and be very transparent. All right, this is a really Charlie podcast. I really, really appreciate you listening. And uh, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Buzzsprout. Yes, Buzzsprout.com. Uh, you can hear all of the podcasts. Um, I upload them immediately. So they're on Buzzsprout. Um, if you go to Anchor and Spotify, it's going to direct you right back to Buzzsprout. But the podcasts are there. And feel free. You know, you want to get a guest on a Really Charlie podcast, my email is simple, podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email or get in touch with me on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Appreciate y'all. And I'm going to end this podcast with my intro song by Lionel Peter Walker. Oh, man. God bless everyone. And you only live once. So say I love you to the people that you love. Um, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. All right, y'all. Take care. It's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass.